What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Going into business with a friend can be an incredible experience, but it can also be a real challenge. You need to ensure you're aligned on your values, goals, and work ethics. So how do you make it work with your bestie? How do you maintain healthy boundaries between being friends and being business partners? And how do you navigate creative differences and make sure both of your opinions are heard? To talk about what it really takes to go into business with a friend, I have Shanae Grimes and Annalyn McCord here to help me answer those questions. Although Shanae and Annalyn played fictional best friends on the CW show 90210, today they're actually real-life besties and co-hosts of the podcast Unzipped, where they talk about everything from friendship and parroting, pop culture, and social issues. I am so excited to chat with these BFFs turned business partners all about what it's like to navigate their friend-business partner relationship and how they're growing personally and professionally. Let's get right into it and welcome to the work party, Shanae and Annalyn. So I'm so excited to have you both here today, Shanae and Annalyn from the Unzipped podcast. But obviously you guys had a whole other relationship before you guys started the podcast together. You played best friends for five years on the CW show 90210. I think we're all familiar. But behind the scenes at that time, you guys didn't really like each other. So let's talk a little bit about your friendship and how it sort of blossomed or unblossomed during that time and what it was like kind of seeing it grow. Yeah, I mean, during that time, and we we dive into this like pretty full on for the first time for like the public and also kind of the first time for us in the first episode of Unzipped. <laughs> but there was a lot of drama behind the scenes of 90210. I mean, I think it comes with the territory of putting together a bunch of late teens and early 20s, you know, women together and some cattiness going on and whatever. But we definitely did not have a close friendship, to say the least, throughout that five-year period. And it wasn't until we were kind of wrapping things up in the fifth season that 
boundaries started to get broken down and walls started coming down and we realized that, you know, we were bonded for life and we actually kind of liked each other a lot. (laughs) It was so annoying. I was like, I started to really like her at the beginning of season five and I was like, ew, why do I like her? This is annoying. (laughs) She had met Josh, her, her man, the love of her life. And Oh, you know, love is a beautiful thing, isn't it? (laughs) How it just changes the whole world if we allow it, if we open ourselves up to it. And Shanae did. Shanae had, she had come, you know, across the continent from another country at 18 years old to Hollywood to break into this crazy, insane industry. And what she saw was a lot of mean girlness and a lot of BS and she felt like because of things that we end up talking about in episode one of, of Unzipped, she literally thought I was the most two-faced ass bitch. And I was like, <laughs> I was being talked about as if I was into doing things that I wasn't fucking doing. And we literally hashed it out and we had never spoken about it for all of these years. We just kind of, we're, she's a Scorpio, I'm a Cancer. We're just kind of like, you know what? Let's the the water flow, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I remember Josh would come around on set and I was like, it was just like the sun came in. Like it was like, <laughs> there's the sun. And then Shanae was like, you know, this like sun deprived little creature who would like, just go like, hello, sunshine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's smiling and it's cute. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, she's fun. And I would come up and I would like punch her on the ass or I'd like poke at her or whatever. When he was there, I felt like there was something magical happening and it was annoying, but I was like, okay, whatever. And it kind of through the, through that last season, a lot of things have went gone down. I mean, we went through a lot of showrunners and a lot of things. We lost someone who a 37 year old PA died. Like he passed away. And like, that was really heavy. We went through a lot of like life altering moments. Yeah. So then we get to the last day. We literally filming and I will never forget. I tell the story, um, you know, whenever we talk about how we went from our five years of that to being, you know, at her wedding circa a couple months later from the show ending. And she calls me and I'm like, oh my God. Ah, <laughs> Nate's calling me. What the fuck? What, what's happening? <laughs> do I answer? <laughs> I was like, what do I do? And I'm like, hey. <laughs> Shanae was so cute. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was like, bitch, (laughs) you were miserable for five years. What are you talking about? And it was hysterical because it was actually like we we had this whole moment where we talked about like, but you guys are like family. And I was like, family that you hate. And she was like, well, yeah, you normally hate family, right? (laughs) But like, we're still family. (laughs) And it was this whole moment. And yeah, I mean, I showed up at her wedding to draw in England with with a hat and gloves like a proper English wedding and I was the only one in hats and gloves and it was not Paul Oh my God. All friends to this day, even after the hat and the gloves. To your point, you know, you were saying you guys were really young going through this intense experience of becoming famous, working on a really intense teen drama show, having the eyes of the world on you all of a sudden. I can't imagine that's easy. And also battling the narrative that all women should hate each other. So it's like, all of these things kind of working against you. And especially at that time, there wasn't the girl power girl, you know, kind of coming together mentalities. I mean, I can imagine, especially in Hollywood, it was not a thing. So how did you guys, you know, combat that? Or did you not combat that as you were going through it? And like, when did you sort of look back and think, wow, like that was a life-changing experience, but one that was really intense for how old I was? I think for me, it took me a long time to make amends with a lot of the situations that happened during that five-year period. Because I was 18 when the show started and then 23. And like Annalyn said, getting married just a couple months later when it ended. So like I went from a bratty teenager to like a married grown-ass woman. And it was just like, what happened? You know, where did that chunk of my life go? So it took me some time to really process a lot of it, I think you know, initially we all took on this mentality of like, 
whoa, like we are an Insta family, you know, like it's the cast. Of I did me. not take that on. She did I not. No, no. I did she, not take that on. I was very, I was very closed off. And people thought I was a snob. <laughs> she, but she, she, Annalyn was homeschooled forever. So she never like experienced clicks in high school and like, all no idea what I was stuff. doing. No, no idea. But no the idea. rest of us definitely, and, and she was a welcome part of that for sure. We had that mentality of thinking like, wow, we've just been stuck together and overnight we're a family and our showrunner at the time really wanted that for us. You know, like he encouraged that family dinners and all of that kind of stuff. And it was really nice. And then weeks in, I feel like, like almost instantaneously. so fast everything fell apart. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that tabloids were still very much a thing and tabloids mm. were all about ripping people, new assholes. Like they, it was not a positive environment or a supportive environment. It was all about the most salacious headlines that you could come up with and stirring trolls. up kinds of drama. Yeah. Trolls like, are the new tabloids like right. that there were, they were trolls, but with power, you know, yeah. really power to determine the narrative and mm. the public's perspective on things or perception of things. So it was very powerful. And I think that even though we were living the reality that we were behind the scenes, it was very easy when there were new headlines coming out seemingly on a daily basis to let that influence the way that we viewed one another and interacted with one another. And it, it really influenced the way that the crew would interact with the cast and all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of it honestly was like residual baggage from the original Beverly Hills 90210 cast and all of those infamous stories from those girls. It was kind of like, because we were stepping into their shoes as far as the job was concerned and the roles were concerned, I think there was a lot of that kind of coming into the storytelling of the behind the scenes drama as well. So it really went on for years and we were all so tired. We were working such long hours. There wasn't a lot of time for like heartfelt powwows to get to the bottom of things. It was just like, also, as pointed out, we were 20. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> no, it was just like, we just went through the motions and, you know, those two girls wouldn't like that one girl for a period of time. And then that one would feel ostracized. It, like it just, that's what it was. And then eventually, obviously, I think, once the show ended, it was like we were all free to mm. just make up our own minds, feel however we felt, say whatever the fuck we wanted because we did not need to see that person on Monday and work with them for 16 hours anymore. You know which what I mean? Is, which is exactly, the, that's it right there. There is this misconception that is completely preposterous that because of proximity, you're supposed to be friends. That is complete and utter fucking bullshit. You don't have to be friends with your family and you don't have to be friends with the people you work with. You don't have to be friends with your fucking neighbors. Don't talk to me in the elevator. It's rude. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want you to fucking feel like we're friends because I know what you're going to do, Lynn and fucking 306. <laughs> you're going to leave a note on my door and you're going to say, I mean, you didn't fold your boxes properly in the recycle bin. And oh because God. we're friends, I I feel like I have the right to tell you that we're not friends, Lynn and 306. We're not friends. Don't talk to me about my boxes. Okay. Really I, crushed that box. I crushed that box as hard as I could and it popped back up. It's not my fucking fault. It's fucking, it's not my fault. That's like physics and shit. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> Hey, small business owners, are you currently doing it all at your company? Are you looking for an easier solution to onboard and manage your remote teams? Let me take a minute to talk to you about our sponsor, JustWorks. JustWorks provides payroll, benefits, HR, and compliance all in one place. Their mission is to help entrepreneurs and businesses grow with confidence. They do this with a simple and friendly platform by providing expert support from real people when needed and access to corporate level benefits that ensure people feel secure and valued. JustWorks makes it easier for you to start, run, and grow a business. Let me tell you how JustWorks can help your business. With JustWorks, employees can onboard themselves in minutes with simple software that makes a great first impression. You can give them access to national large group health insurance plans and handle payroll and PTO requests all in one platform. Plus, it comes with JustWorks expert 24-7 support for you and your employees. 
JustWorks has been so insanely helpful as we've transitioned to remote work this past year. If there is one positive thing we can take away from 2020, it's that we've learned how to be productive while away from the office. And that means that some companies are allowing employees to work from anywhere and even go completely remote. But regardless of where your team lives, JustWorks has you covered and makes your life 10 times easier. JustWorks can relieve you of some of the most administrative tasks that you honestly probably don't love nor have time for. You know, things like running payroll, managing benefits, and figuring out state-by-state regulations. JustWorks makes it so simple to hire and manage remote employees across all 50 states. With JustWorks, you can onboard new employees with ease in an intuitive online platform, take the guesswork out of employment and tax requirements, access national health insurance coverage plans, get help setting up sick leave policies, save hours on time tracking that syncs with payroll. Plus, as I mentioned before, you'll have full access to a 24-7 expert support team, as well as certified HR consultants to get answers to those pressing questions whenever you need them. Manage your remote teams with confidence. Find out how JustWorks can help your business by going to justworks.com. That's justworks.com for more information. All right, now let's get back to the episode. It does relate back to social media in that way, because I think people, because they follow you, feel like they have the right to comment on your life or tell you how to live your life in certain ways, which is, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm sure you guys experienced that to the nth degree, but I want to get into how you guys reconnected and started your podcast unzipped. So what I love is that you guys are yin and yang, as you mentioned, you know, Shanae is into, she's a mom. She's into the business side of things. Anna Lynn is wellness, self-care. She's on her own journey which I love. I love those two sides of the perspective. I think they're very timely right now in terms of where we're at in terms of workplace and wellness. But how did it come about to be like, we should do a podcast? We're so different in so many ways, but we have a lot of interest in the same things in the sense that we like people's stories. We like human stories. We like having in-depth conversations. We like questioning ourselves. We like questioning other people and, um, we're not afraid to quote unquote go there or whatever. You know, we don't keep things surface level basically. And Annalyn and I were literally just having like one of our rambling on for a very long time conversations on the phone, like playing catch up. And I was like, what would you think about doing a podcast together? Like it was just, that was it. You know, it was like, we're so different. Our perspectives are so different. The things that have shaped us into the people that we are are so different. And yet we connect on like a very deep heart level. And I think there's room to involve other people in those conversations. Would you be open to it? And she was like, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was I that mean, that's what I, that's what I live for, honestly, too. It's, I had, you know, Jacqueline, obviously you came on Unzept and, and we got to chat with you. And I had one of those moments, you talked about the arrival fallacy theory. And I had my arrival fallacy theory very early. I, I mm. always tell people, I'm like, I had a young life crisis. I got my midlife crisis out of the way early because I was being offered 90210 and I decided I didn't want to be an actress anymore. And I was, I was out because I had wanted to be an actress since I was nine years old. This is what I had always wanted. This was the thing. Everybody told me it was not going to happen because I grew up in a trailer park in rural Georgia in the Southeast. And this didn't happen for kids like me because I didn't know anybody and I didn't know what to know and who to know in, in the sense of like, this is a business where nepotism really gets you a long way and not nepotism gets you nowhere. (laughs) Um, It's like, it's very hard to break in. And I was fueled by this negative talk that I couldn't do it because I had, you know, self-worth issues, which were super fun. I dealt with the fact that I was going to be something that people were going to see. I wasn't going to be invisible anymore. I wasn't going to be unheard. I wasn't going to be the kid that no one noticed. You were going to hear from me and you were going to care and no one fucking cared. (laughs) And then it was like the way that they cared was so fucking shady and annoying. It was like, um, Oh my God, like, what is she wearing? I'm over here fighting with an organization trying to fight human trafficking. They're like, yeah. So that storyline got cut from a little um, interview just because it's super dark and like we don't know how to come back from it but we totally covered your shoes and we love that you were wearing Balenciaga and I'm like oh my god these people literally can go fuck themselves and I was 
done. I was like, I'm moving back to New York. I'm going to work at Starbucks and find a new passion because this is not what I wanted. And my nine-year-old self was a moron. And um, so that whole thing happened. And the arrival fallacy theory is not a theory. It's a real fucking thing. I was miserable. I was suicidal. I was cutting up my arms, self-harming. Like I was going through all this stuff because I had unrealized trauma. I, and I, I got to the place where it was all supposed to go away and it just got worse. And it was compounded by the fact that I had to smile and everybody was telling me that I had such a great life. So now I had to have a great life and think that it was amazing. And now I didn't. So I'm a liar and a fraud. I mean, there was a lot going on in my head. Um, so for me, this whole moment of getting to a place where I have to decide who, what I'm going to be in the world it was the most defining moment of my life. And it all centered around 90210, ironically. And when I ended up doing the show, it's interesting because, you know, we are on the work party podcast, you know, you and, and Shanae and all the wonderful women uh, out there who are working to be entrepreneurs, hats off to you because it's such a hard job. And I had, I had a really amazing lesson in contract negotiation because mm. of my little crisis moment. I didn't want to be an actress. So I had a real reason why I didn't want to do the show. But I learned that if you are willing, you said on our podcast, if you're willing to go high risk, I walk on everything now. I'm like, nah, thank you so much. You're so kind. But like, we're, that's not for us. And it's like 10 minutes later, hey, so we'll give you what you want. And it's this, this lesson of knowing who and what you are and why you're here that for me was more important to me than being thrown money. Mm. And I grew up in a trailer park. So it was like, you can't buy me. I'm a rebel anarchist who can live on ramen noodles for 29 cents a pack. So fuck you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that for me was this major turning point in my life. Yeah. And it was, it definitely led to what would then become our conversations that would lead to unzipped because everything was about where, when do we get to that moment where we're tired of those self-worth feeling issues? We're tired of those feelings of being a fraud where we're tired of being an imposter. We're ready to get real, get vulnerable. Stop fucking lying to ourselves. Who cares if you lie to me? That's all about you. Like stop lying to yourself. And well, Shanae, when Shanae's face will tell you, and I'll tell you with words that when a interviewee, which has been rare, but we've had one or two that have come on and we were just like, oh God, we can't use this episode. Like this, you are in your own little reality that's not based in reality. And that sounds super cool for you. But our listeners aren't going to relate because we're so raw and honest. That journey was what led to my whole life centering around human story. Nay, popped the question, would you like to do this with me? And I said, I do. And that was unzipped. And we had no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> this episode of Work Party is brought to you by MZ Wallace. Make the most out of every day. MZ Wallace is a chic, innovative line of bags and accessories that are designed to do more. Whether that means more traveling, more fitness, a more efficient commute, or just more fun. MZ Wallace's co-founders, Monica Zwinner and Lucy Wallace, started the brand after years of working in the fashion industry and realizing that the bag they needed, one that could stand up to everything on their tight schedule, from morning workouts to long days at the office to a night out on the town, just didn't exist. So they set out to create it themselves. As a female founder myself, MZ Wallace's co-founder story really drew me in. I obviously love supporting other female-founded brands and knowing that my hard-earned dollars are going towards a company that makes goods by women for women makes me very happy. With conscious consumerism on the rise, I think doing your homework and making sure your values align with your buying decisions is so, so, so important. It feels good to support brands that stand for something because every choice today matters tomorrow. Their bags are really beautiful, functional, sustainable, and made by women. So it's truly a win-win-win. With MZ Wallace, the design is all in the details. You'll find pockets right where you need them, lightweight stain and water-resistant materials that easily wipe to clean because, hey, we all know coffee spills happen, and so many smart design details you never knew you needed. I personally love my Black Metro belt bag from MZ Wallace. It's foldable, rollable, and packable to fit in my luggage when I travel, but it will also surprise you how much you can fit in this tiny little bag. I always pack my phone, my chapstick, my wallet, my keys, and basically all my small necessities, and I'm out the door. 
store. So whether you're trying to travel with a lightweight travel style to take on the go or a multitasking tote to bring to the office, you have to get your hands on an MZ Wallace bag for yourself and discover the high quality, lightweight, innovative design and iconic style that will turn into your all day, everyday favorite kind of bag. MZ Wallace is offering Work Party listeners 15% off your first purchase. Just go to mzwallace.com slash work party. That's mzwallace.com slash work party for 15% off your first purchase. MZ Wallace designed to do more. That's an amazing journey to go through. And to your point, like you had done this, you were young doing this, you had this explosion. Shanae, what was the aftermath like for you? I mean, you obviously got married right after, you know, what, what was sort of going through your head post and like, were you also feeling like you wanted out of that Hollywood experience? You know, when we had you, Jacqueline, on our episode of Unzipped, you said something about tying your career to your identity. And that was the biggest crisis <laughs> that I experienced when the show ended, because I went from being on Degrassi, which was another television series in Canada from 13 to 18. I literally got written out of that show to fly to LA, move my life, start over and start work on 90210. And then I finished at 23. So I missed, or what it felt like happened was I missed 10 years of my life. And I had just spent it on a set, you know, and, and set dynamics and work politics and, you know, fame and this and that and all of that kind of stuff. And then I finished and I was so done with acting for that moment. I was so traumatized by a lot of the things I experienced on that show. So I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it was like, but who the fuck am I if I'm not an actor on a TV show and not just like an actor who's auditioning or an actor who does guest stars or an actor who does indie movies and, you know, jumps from job to job to job. I really spent 10 years on like two pretty iconic as far as like the title is concerned series. People knew what you were talking about. If you said, oh yeah, I'm on 90210 or oh yeah, I'm on Degrassi. People knew what you're talking about. So there was a lot of ego that came with that. Just the fact that not just like in the public or whatever, what have you, but even friends and family and all of that kind of stuff. It was like, they were proud to know you because you did something that someone they spoke to would understand and know about. And that was cool. So it wasn't just about my own personal success. It was really about the value and worth I felt I had with people in my life because mm. I did this job. And that was a really tough pill to swallow. Like in entertainment, when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. And I wasn't anymore for the first time ever. Like my star had always just been on the rise, so to speak, you know, and, and all of a sudden it wasn't. And I was okay with that because I was determined to not even do it anymore. You know, in my hiatuses on 90210, I interned at Teen Vogue. I interned at What Goes Around Comes Around. I was always interested in going into business. When I booked 90210, I was taking my SATs to apply to Columbia to go to business school. Like that's what I wanted to do from a young age. I just took the great opportunities that were presented in front of me because it would have been crazy not to, but you know, I had other dreams for myself and and I felt like my ego was pushing me to like claw back in time to a reality that I knew very well did not make me happy. And it was like so weird. It was like, oh my God, why am I looking at other peers of mine in this space, like Lucy Hale and Nina Dobrev and Lily Collins, like all of these wonderful girls that were so successful. And they were all kind of, we were all in that same peer group. Like we all kind of came up on those shows at the same time, our first like big shows at the same time. And I was watching them just thrive and excel down this path that they clearly really loved and were passionate about that was not something I wanted for me. And yet I was like envious and I was like, oh, that's weird. Like why though? Why? And it was like, oh, right. Because I'm valuing my own self-worth based on yep. 
how I'm perceived by others because career success has always made me valuable. It's always Mm -hmm. made me special. It's always made me worthy of unique, special treatments and on a pedestal and all of that kind of shit. And, And I really had to let go. Like my husband looked at me one day and he was just like, all the money, all the fame and all that shit. You had it at one point, right? And you weren't happy. And now you have to look at your life and think like, are you happy? I'm like, yes, I love being with you. I love this. I love that. And he's like, you're so rich in life for the first time. When you had all that money, you were not rich in life. You weren't a happy person. You were Mm self-medicating. You were doing all these things. Like you, and I was like, wow, yeah. Like you can be rich in life and not be the richest and most famous and, you know, whatever, what have you. I read this amazing quote that says, some people are so poor, all they have is money. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But it's so true. And it's interesting because you mentioned Nino Dobrovne. I ended up being in Washington, D.C. Nina was with Creative Coalition. We were lobbying in D.C. um, for the arts and stuff. And you know, she looked stunning. She looked beautiful. Uh, it was, but for me going on that trip, I was like, Oh shit, there's something here for me. I care so much about these human rights issues, about issues centering around things that I went through. I was more or less, more or less told by our United States judicial system that we're very sorry that you had childhood sexual abuse, but we don't care because you remembered too late. So you can't prosecute and you can't go after the perp because you remembered when you were 31 and you should have remembered by the time you were 23. The end. And it's so interesting because that trip to DC, I was the second of two lobbying trips. I lobbied with an organization called Invisible Children that was working to eradicate the Lord's Resistance Army in Congo and Uganda is literally recruiting children, massacring their parents and their villages, and then putting automatic weapons in the hands of children and making them kill their friends, parents that like going through, it's just horrible, horrible, horrible. I saw this while I was overseas right after 90210. I took my, I took what I figured would be my last opportunity to take the trains all through Europe. I took a book, booked a one-way flight to London and just took trains um, all through all the countries. And I remember I had taken the ferry over to Corsica and Corsica is such a lovely little island, but it shuts down at 6 p.m. And I was, I had a lot of time with my thoughts and this was prior to my mindful practice and meditation moments of my life. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to turn the TV on, which was really weird because I'm not a TV person at all. And I like the only English speaking channel in this tiny little island was CNN. And they were talking about this thing. And it was like, I had these little tiny moments throughout my life where it was like, there's something here. There's something here. I definitely was led to being an actress and I'm so grateful for the platform that I have, but that's what it became. When people Mm. talk about, when they talk about being an actor, the first thing is typically like, I love the craft. For me, that moment, that young life crisis that I had showed me that what I care more about is the platform that it's given me and going to DC. It was really interesting because I was sitting in all of these different meetings on Capitol Hill and we're talking to, you know, older, lightly skinned gentlemen who <laughs> run our country um, or cock block our country from being run um, at this particular point. It was 2012. It was President Obama's final correspondence dinner that we were invited to. And Creative Coalition is like, you know, we're just here to talk about the arts. Let's not get political anyone. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Anyway, hi, I have questions. <laughs> so we get to the White House and we sit down with President Obama's cabinet. And he, the Valerie Jarrett came in for a little bit. And then her right-hand man is there kind of like walking us through the day-to-day. And we, we were talking about having just gotten to Capitol Hill. And they were like, did you have any luck? Because we certainly haven't. <laughs> like We can't get anything passed. So you're getting to know me, Jacqueline. But to know me is to know how absolutely inappropriate I am. And I was warned. And then I was warned again. And then I was told one more time, just for good measure, don't say anything that's going to upset the apple basket. I said, is Capitol Hill blocking President Obama because he's black? Everyone was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And literally, I kid you not, the guy looked right at me. He said, you said it, I didn't. 
And we got into this conversation. And what was so interesting to me was that you have what we call one of the most powerful positions in the whole world, the presidency. No, it's not. Because if members of Congress decide that they don't want you to get what you want to get done, done, they can just stand there and create a wall. And back then it was a filibuster that really screwed over Obama's administration in a lot of ways. But it was such an interesting experience for me because I realized the road curves Life, we, we, you said something in our podcast that I really, really loved. You said the attachment to outcome is a major no-no in business. Don't attach to the outcome. Be, just set your intention, right? But be open to what's going to transpire. Be open to something better happening, something that you haven't yet imagined. The thing that I've started to learn about life, and, and it goes back to that whole arrival fallacy, you know, it's we're looking at a straightaway, straightaway from here to there. I'm here and I want that over there. So I got to go get it. But we drive our little, our little train up the mountain and we get there. And then right as we're about to the train tracks curve and you go around the, now you got to go around the mountain up and up and up. I'm at a point of transition in my life where I'm questioning Am I going to stay on this coast? Am I going to shift into something totally different? Changing legislature is something that's really important to me. In the same way you're do, you know, creating uh, breaking molds for women, the, this is something that I want to be a part of for children because Shanae's about to bring a new little life into the world, right? And that little life, I'm so grateful that that one is going to have the best life because he's going to be so loved and he's going to have so many baby dolls to play with Bowie with because she will take him around and I'm sure give him baby dolls because she loves to do that. But for the children who aren't so lucky, mm. right? Yeah, I want to be a part of creating a world where we don't see the number of child suicides that we're seeing right now, for example. Children as young as eight and nine years old are killing themselves. Like what? What? It's an intense time. I can even imagine. But even looking at last year and what we all the collective trauma that we all sort of went through, you know, Shanae, I'm curious to hear from you coming out of 2020. What were some of the lessons that you learned along the way and how you sort of dealt with that? Well, much like you you know, in hearing your experience where everything had to slow down and stop, I had finally been gaining some traction as a content creator, which I had really started to pour myself into when I was pregnant with my daughter, my first daughter. And I went through a really great run of like a year and a half, two years, and then COVID hit and everything stopped. And I was like, fuck, who am I once again without work? And, and what do I even want to do in this space? Like, content creator. What does that mean? Like an influencer? Like, what is that? Like, I'm not the kind of person that is in it for like the beautiful photos of themselves and shit like that. Like, it's just not my MO. I don't wake up every day and like want to put on a really cute outfit and beautiful makeup. Like it's, I'm just too lazy to be honest. Her go-to pose. Her go-to poses. Yeah. Like I'm just not that way. I'm not the aesthetics person. I'm the storytelling person and I'm the business person. And that was ultimately what led me down wanting to get into the content creation thing and veer away from acting was the freedom to work from home so that I could physically be present with my family instead of on a set for 16 hours a day and Mm -hmm. having to uproot everyone's life for months on end. When 2020 happened, it really, I had that, that crisis moment of like, okay, who the hell am I though? And like, what do I want to do? What is the point of all of this? And where am I going? And I had to get back to purpose. Ultimately, it was like, what was so enjoyable for me about doing this as a career and like saying goodbye to acting and all of that kind of stuff. And it was twofold. One was, yes, the lifestyle that allowed me to have for my family. And then the second was, my purpose that I discovered just by accident upon creating and sharing content was connecting with other people, making them feel like there was someone out there who they could relate to and that they were less alone on their journey. And by default, it made me feel all those same things too. So it was a win-win for everybody involved. And, and that was it. I ultimately discovered that I wanted to empower other people to just 
do the damn thing. And that's like ended up being the name of my blog, the damn thing.com. It was like, it doesn't need to be pretty and it doesn't need to be perfect and all of those things, but just, you can, you can do it. You can do the damn thing as best you can. And that's good enough. And and that's where all of these other kind of arms started to come from. And I started to get ideas about wanting to do a podcast and wanting to start a YouTube channel, really pour myself into that and monetize the YouTube channel and all of that kind of stuff. So it definitely inspired a lot of different ways to diversify my income and actually make this a business for myself as opposed to just feeling kind of silly and frivolous, like posting what I ate for lunch and whatever, because it's just not who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think one thing that is that you both have in common is that you went from five years of not being in control of your narrative to completely flipping the script and now being completely in control of your narrative and what you guys want to be doing and who you want to be and and the role you want to play in that, which I think is really powerful. Looking at Hollywood today, having gone through the Me Too movement and now more diversity and inclusion and casts and sets and behind the camera, in front of the camera, do you feel like things are actually changing or do you think it's, it's performative? A little bit of both. I won't lie to you a little bit of both. I think, I think let's take it, right. Let's take it, (laughs) whatever, whatever way it's going to come. But I think that there are things that came out in the me too movement and how, you know, strict people have gotten with cracking down on this shit that, that if you were in the entertainment industry, you knew about for a long time. You knew the way that these powerful men treated women. You heard the stories and yes, they were, did it really happen? Did it not really happen? And then of course, now years later, we're finding out, yes, in fact, the stories that were rumors were actually in fact true, but that shit was circulating for as long as I lived out there, you know? And I I was an 18 year old girl living out in Hollywood all by myself. And just always knew to have my wits about me. And, and really, you know, we talk about that attitude that I had and that like coldness that I carried with me. It was my defense mechanism. It was the way that I protected myself and kept myself safe. Like I gave off an air of like, don't engage with me and, and whatever, what have you for that reason for a lot of part. And I well, think we were also warned. We were, it was yeah. a very common thing to be warned by your agents or by your team. Like, Hey, you know, Harvey Weinstein will try to fuck you. Like whatever, like, just like, you know, be aware, which is so crazy now because it's like someone thought it was okay to tell an 18 year old chick, Hey, be careful. This old guy's super sleazy. It's okay for him to be sleazy. Cause obviously like guys are sleazy, but you need to be careful. That was what was the narrative. You'd get energy too off of people. Like you, I remember just being young and getting energy off of 40, 50, 60 something year old men who had powerful positions that like they would be comfortable with things going in an inappropriate direction. And you kind of knew in the back of your mind that you might get ahead in your career if you were like down with that. You know what I mean? And it's like, how sad is that? That that's the reality. We talk about, women and the way that they are dressed and stuff like that and being like victimized and all of that stuff. But for years, I remember being in high school and it was like, well, don't walk around at night in a short skirt or like do like walk around at night in a short skirt, but just like, no, you're going to get like cat calls and like, that's normal. And like, just make sure that you have your phone in your hand and make sure that da, da, da. And it's like, how sad that we're telling fucking teenagers that this is normal yeah. and that it, because it is. So I'm so grateful that it's all coming to light. But part of me is like, great guys. Like, I'm glad we're all jumping on the bandwagon now because it's trendy to fucking call this shit out when it's been wrong and fucked up and known about for a really long time. For a really long time. It was so crazy. I, I came out with my story of sexual assault back in 2014 before me too. And you know, I'm like a B-level TV actress and then no one cares, but thankfully it had a lot of impact for humans, which was what, what mattered. But the press is so ridiculous. The the Me Too movement happens and then they're like, you've been leading the front on this conversation, Annalyn, tell us. And I'm like, no one was listening to me. That was like three years ago. Are y'all kidding me right now? And what was so interesting to me about that was 
they wanted me to be a bandwagoner. And at that point, it had started to take this kind of, you know, as things do, took a life of its own. I said, I have one word about the Me Too movement and it's caution. Because you have a little girl and she comes home and says, Mommy, I was raped. What do you do? You have a son and he comes home and says, Mom, I was falsely accused. What do you do? Right? We we're in a world where you're guilty once accused now. And so I'm someone that went through this. I had sexual assault when I was a teenager. I was sexually abused as a kid. Like I have people in my family who say it didn't happen. Like, like, okay, yeah, I just want to kill myself for no reason and self-harm for all those years and did those really fucked up sexual things and then all the things and blah blah blah. Whenever something becomes a revolution versus evolution it's a little concerning, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a very nuanced and layered conversation. Um, and I think it's brought to light a lot of what we all were experiencing in the dark, which I think is really important just to even raise the awareness around it. I mean, obviously you guys were in an industry where it was overwhelmingly the situation, even in business, I've had experiences in that way, but I think it's for the people who don't have the platforms that this conversation is so important to be able to to have because they're not, you know, again, to your point, speaking up and just not being heard is not the right move either. And the media plays a massive role in that. And that that makes total sense. But I do want to also talk a little bit about the podcast Unzipped and how you guys navigate friendship and business. I think this is a huge conversation um, for creating cultivators in terms of, I want to start a business with my friend, but I'm nervous. You know, you guys were didn't love each other. Now you love each other. What advice do you have? Do not do it if you're nervous. You won't tell the truth. Shanae and I tell the truth to each other. Yeah. I listened to your episode actually with Julianne Huff and and the question like this came up with her working with Nina on their new wine company. Um, And I was really intrigued to hear her answer. And I think something she said was just like a no brainer, of course, is like, know your strengths and weaknesses and lean into that. Like Annalyn and I are very clear on where either of us excel, where our areas of interest are and all of that kind of stuff. So we're not afraid to just lean into that and let the other person lean into their area of expertise or their area of interest. Um, so there's no real push and pull. Also, we did start as coworkers. So I think there's something to be said with that in that like, we don't get butt hurt about shit. Like we're not getting all defensive or emotionally attached to certain things and all of that stuff. Like we're not competitive by nature with one another, just because we also, of everything that we've been through. We also separate business from pleasure. Totally. Like, this is, this is business. If there's a decision that needs to be made, this is not about your heart or your feelings. No. This is about money. <laughs> yeah, and being respectful. And that's, that's, you know, we had a moment where, you know, Shanae's doing all of the workload. I can't do it. I don't have the brain for it. I don't have the time for it. I don't have bandwidth and I'm not organized at all. And also that's just not my jam. So mm-hmm. what, there was a moment where it was like, well, okay, we're going to have a 50, 50 split, but <laughs> Shanae's going to do all the work. No, that's not fair. So <laughs> we figured out a split that made sense for the, the effort that she's putting in. I was like, let's put a cap on it because, you know, I like money too. And <laughs> this was the conversation that we had. I think Shanae was like, what do you mean cap? And I was like, where you don't get all the fucking money, bitch. <laughs> like, but okay. if we turn it to Joe Rogan. Like, I was like, if we're getting $100 million, you're not fucking getting that level of a percentage. I'm just going to tell you right now, I value you, but like not that fucking much. But we do it. We have, we're, we're honest with each other. And, and that is something that, in, in any relationship, but certainly in business, if shit gets down to the, you know, you got fucking deadlines and you got shit to do and someone's not showing up for you and whatever, you need to be able to say, Hey, bitch, like whatever. Sinead's the queen of texting me, like wrap it up. You're talking too fucking much, you know? <laughs> and it's like, thank you. That's a nice reminder because I do rattle the fuck on like I am right now. I actually love that you got, you guys are talking about that because I think everyone sees partnership or co-founders or this and that. And they're like, Oh, 50, 50. And that is not the case at all. Like truly a lot of people who launch businesses have different skill sets and different time constraints and different work ethics. So it's being able to define that upfront or even down the line and being open to that conversation 
it's really important. So, okay, I'm gonna do some quick rapid fires. The best career advice you've ever received, Shanae. Just keep doing, just keep doing. I think that's, it's so simple and definitely grammatically incorrect, but I think it's, it's good when you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you don't know how to move forward or whatever, what have you. It's like, just keep doing, just keep putting those wheels in motion and your path will start to enlighten itself if you just keep moving forward. I love that. Anna Lynn, the three traits that got me to where I am today. My mind, number one, my mind is incredibly powerful and I see my whole future before I live it. I visualize it. I meditate on it. I, I move in energy in, uh, in time and space versus space and time. So I magnetize myself and pull things to me. That's my, that's my number one. I care about the well-being of this planet and the human beings on it first and foremost. That makes anything I do ultimately prosper and I can rely on any, any shifts or changes or roads curving to let me know that my intention to, to leave this world a little better than I found it will be realized if I follow the path as it continues to flow like a river. And the third is I am a new mind. I'm a new mind every single time. So if someone, you know, if someone brings me something, you got to have a foot to stand on. But if someone brings me something new and, and they have more logic than I do, I will toss out an old idea so fast and move right into a new idea because I'm not attached to something that lacks, <laughs> that has less logic than the new idea. Yeah. Being open to the possibilities, I think is really important and not being stuck in your ways. Well, you ladies are absolutely amazing. Can you tell everyone where they can tune into Unzipped and follow you guys on social media? You can listen to Unzipped on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can follow us at Unzipped Pod on Instagram. And then individually, we are at Sinead Grimes Beach and at the Annalyn McCord. At the Annalyn McCord. Very I fancy and official. Someone <laughs> had my name. Someone had my name and I didn't know what to do. So it ended up that. She's not just Annalyn, you guys. She is the Annalyn McCord. Amazing. Well, thank you ladies so much. Appreciate the time and conversation. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thanks for having thank us. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow The Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're interested in creating your own podcast or want to know the ins and outs of the business of podcasting, we've teamed up with the Lady Gang to bring you The Pod Class, a comprehensive guide that covers everything from planning your content to sourcing guests to becoming your own in-house producer and so, so, so much more. All are available for purchase on the Create and Cultivate website now. That's createcultivate.com. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.